0: welcome to the export i'm raven x and today It's just me, and so we are going to do things a bit different than usual. Of course, I'm going to recap the games from Wild Card Weekend, as well as give my predictions for uh, this upcoming weekend's slate of playoff games. But also, I am going to award each regular season team with an MVP, a.k.a. just pick the player who performed the best during the regular season, who had the best impact. That goes for playoff teams, non-playoff teams. Just shouting out the players who gave their all, during the regular season. But before we get to any of that, please do check out the export.net, our export.net for our exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers, previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and turn back the clock to look at what took place during wild Card weekend. Starting things off on Saturday, the San Francisco 49ers swept the Seattle Seahawks with their third win of the year, beating them 41 23. Jacksonville completes an immaculate comeback against the Los Angeles Chargers 31-30, uh, starting off on Sunday. The Miami Dolphins gave it their all despite being depleted, but still the Buffalo Bills pulled out the 34-31 win. The New York Giants, led by Daniel Jones, led defeated the Minnesota Vikings 31-24, and unfortunately... The Cincinnati Bengals will be advancing to the divisional round for a second straight year after beating my Baltimore Ravens in a great back-and-forth contest. And finally, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys silenced the doubters, including myself, in their 31-14 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Overall, I went 3-3 for the weekend. My most impressive offensive player of the week. I mean, I think it's pretty hard to go against anybody. Uh, I mean, go hard against... Uh, Mr. Trevor Lawrence. Sorry for the typos. Uh, but yeah, after overcoming four first half interceptions and going into the halftime, I believe down 27 to 20, Trevor Lawrence and co. really helped to spark a change through four touchdowns overall, including that big uh, two point conversion run that really helped to officially turn the tide for the Jags. I mean, just from top to bottom, I think that it was clear that. Trevor Lawrence, he started off a bit rusty, and you could tell he's a bit nervous. But as the game went on, the Golden Boy really showed that he belonged, and I'm so excited to see what he's going to be able to do throughout the rest of the playoffs, so got to give him his props. Uh, my most impressive defensive player, I hate to say him because it came in our in the Baltimore game, but got to shout out Sam Hubbard. I mean, Baltimore was going blow for blow with the Bengals, something that not many people expected them to do. However, it was that darn uh, – Quarterback sneak above the top. Ball gets fumbled. Sam Hubbard takes it 98 yards for the touchdown. It is in what is now being known as the fumble in the jungle. As we all know, that was the last touchdown scored in the game. Even though James Prochet, if he was just a couple of steps to the right, could have went to overtime, but it's all good. Can't cry over spilled milk. But props to Sam Hubbard. It's nice to see a big man touchdown unless it happens against my team. Uh, my most disappointing player, honestly, I couldn't just leave it to one person. It's a whole unit, and that's the Bucks' defense. I mean, I understand that both teams have been through many transitions from week one when they played to this past Monday. But, good gosh, it's just the Bucks could not stop anything. I mean, Dak Prescott had the best game of his career, 25 of 33 passing, 305 passing yards, five touchdowns overall, allowed over 400 yards from scrimmage, just had a hard time getting the Cowboys off the field. It was just it was a terrible outing for the defense. Of course, their offense didn't do them many favors, but still you expect more out of this Bucks defense led by Todd Bowles. And finally, my rookie of the week, it's hard not to say Brock Purdy. I mean, you could tell he had a couple jitters early on, you know, missed some throws that he was making towards the end of the regular season, but he ended the game with the bang. 18 of 30 passing for 332 yards, accounted for four touchdowns in his postseason debut. I mean, props to the kid. I know that we. I personally would have enjoyed seeing him play the Bucks, just because if he wins, you know it's going to be the whole, he's the new Tom Brady thing. But regardless, I mean, if he messes around and helps lead the 49ers to a Super Bowl, we're going to get that anyway. Speaking of, before that they get to that point, they're going to have to beat the Cowboys. And in a game that I think that they're going to end up winning, while I think that is going to be a very competitive contest, especially if, Dak and Co can uh, minimize the turnovers and maintain ball control. I think that they have a legitimate shot, but I do think the 49ers have a bit more of an edge just because if you compare the weapons, it's obvious that they have more. I don't really see anybody, especially – on that uh, linebacker position, or maybe if they try to bring up a safety in J. Ron Curse or Malik Hooker to try to slow down George Kittle. I don't see that happening. We've already seen Debo Samuel run wild on these boys. And then you factor in the Christian McCaffrey factor. I think that it is going to be an offensive onslaught for both teams, but I think that the 49ers are going to be able to pull that out. Um, looking at the other games, Jaguars versus Chiefs, I'm excited for this matchup. Um, I think that the Jags come into this game with nothing to prove. I mean, I don't think that – all the pressure is not on them, so to speak. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're vying for, what, their sixth or seventh straight AFC championship appearance uh, since Patrick Mahomes has taken over, and they could easily get it. But I think the Jags are going to be competitive. But with that being said, I still think that the Chiefs end up pulling it out. I think that – The Chiefs are in a team where if they get a 20-plus point lead over you, they're just going to blow it. They're going to continue to put the foot on the gas and be aggressive in that second half, something that the Chargers did not do. And so because of that, I think the Chiefs pull it out. Uh, Next up, for the third time this season, the Eagles are going to be facing the New York Giants. I have Eagles. Shout-out to Daniel Jones. I mean, he had a terrific game as well. I mean, shout-out to the NFC East quarterbacks putting it all on the line in the wild card round. And while I don't think he's going to have a terrible game against the Eagles, I do think the Eagles just have – I think they are they are better than the Vikings, or at least they have better decision-making. And overall, I think that uh, Jalen Hurts is a much more profound playmaker than – Kirk Cousins is, which I don't think anybody would disagree with. And, I mean, A.J. Brown is terrific. I mean, that receiving core overall is really good. I just think they're going to be able to pound those guys in the submission with the run game, something that the Vikings couldn't do. But, like I said, I got Eagles. And, finally, the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Buffalo Bills. We've got a slight taste of this uh, week 17 before the tragic DeMar Hamlin um, injury. they once again, thank God that he's doing good. He's back in Buffalo. Um, but at the time, Cincinnati was looked stronger. And, I mean, they were up 7-3 to three before the game, ended up getting canceled. And I think that it's going to be another opportunity for the Bengals to win it. While I could absolutely see the Bills doing it, especially, uh, you know, clearly wanting to play for DeMar and, you know, just do right by him and his um, – because I'm sure he's going to be in the stands or at least on the sidelines. But I don't know. I just think the Bengals right now are a better team. Uh, I talked about it a bit earlier with the with the Bills kind of not escaping Miami but their offense had some rough moments Josh Allen in particular committed, committed three turnovers, two picks and lost a fumble and props to the Dolphins defense for being able to create those turnovers but their offense just could not capitalize on that and lead to points the Bengals offense is a group that can absolutely do that so I think that clean game the Bills absolutely have a shot but they're going to keep turning the ball over something that the Bengals have done a really good job of not doing down the stretch I think that it's going to lead to a Bengals victory Moving on to the players that I am watching this week offensively, Trevor Lawrence. I want to see what he looks like. I mean, coming off of the last performance against the Chargers, clearly he's the league's golden boy. That's fine and dandy, but how do you follow up that performance? Because like I said, you throw four picks against the Chiefs, they're going to make you pay. You're not going to have an opportunity to come back. And so I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have to build on that and play a much cleaner game to give his shot, his uh, guys a shot. Defensively, I'm watching Tredavious White. As much as I hate to see LSU on LSU crime, I mean, he's obviously the Bills' best corner, and he's going to be matched up against Jamar Chase, I'm assuming, for most of that game. And while in the first game it didn't – we didn't get to see much of the pair going at it. I'm excited to see what that's going to go down because I mean yes, the B- the Bengals have great weapons in the likes of T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd is great in the slot and then you have Hayden Hurst who's really come on as a tight end this year. However, everybody knows that when push comes to shove, Joe is always looking to get one the ball and Tredavious White is a terrific cornerback, like I said, and still my opinion, top 10 in this league. If he can't slow down Jamar Chase, it's going to be a long night for everybody. My rookie to watch it's boring And it's easy but I gotta go Brock Party. I mean Not to say he coasted to victory In the wild card round but I mean it's a it's the Seahawks you've seen them twice before it's an easier uh, opponent to gauge they didn't get the luxury of seeing the Cowboys and while they have been a bit uneven throughout this season it's still going to be a tough match and I mean they still have a terrific pass rush that can really do some damage so if Brock Purdy can't get the ball out or if he's under duress for much of the night it's not gonna go well for San Fran and then finally the team I'm calling out is Philadelphia the Eagles I'll admit I wanted the Vikings to win last week I wanted to see Jay Patrick Peterson, Ed Ingram, Daniil Hunter. My LSU guys make it further in the playoffs, but, I mean, it is what it is. And I don't want to see the Eagles suffer the same fate that the Giants did. And so because of that, their defense has to step up. Their defense has to respect Daniel Jones' ability to run and be able to try to slow him down, as well as make them work for every yard that they got. Against Minnesota, it was pretty clear that they were having their way with them, even without having a bevy of all-star wideouts I mean, Isaiah Hodges has been really good Over the stretch of the season But let's be honest, he's not a top 30 Top 40 wideout in this league uh, Darius Slayton Another guy who's not exactly a household name But they are productive and they're good at their jobs However, the Eagles Are stars and are good at their jobs And they're really going to need that In order to have success And so I'm calling them out I want to see them have a big game And possibly even make it to the Super Bowl And now moving on to awarding regular season MVPs. Now, just so you know, this accounts for all 32 teams singling out, in my opinion, the top player of this season. Of course, I'm all open to healthy discourse. If you agree, if you agree, if you agree, disagree, Please feel free to let me know. I'm happy to hear your thoughts. But this is the player who I feel like in the regular season had the biggest contributions to their teams. And like I said, it's not going to factor anything to do with the postseason because that wouldn't be fair to the 18 teams that did not make it. And so I will mention, of course, if a player did things to help their team get to the playoffs, but no playoff stats or things like that are going to matter. Got it. Great. So, starting things off, we are going to the desert with the Arizona Cardinals, where I am going to show some love to safety Buddha Baker. Um, Buddha Baker for this season had played in 15 games with 111 combined tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, a forced fumble, two interceptions, and seven pass deflections. Even if you're not a Cardinals fan, I think it's pretty safe to say that in a year that was pretty disappointing. Buda Baker was a star. Buda Baker did everything that you could ask of him. I mean, he tied for the most pass deflections in the season and second most tackles for loss in his career and provided a real emotional boost for his team because I don't know if you guys watch Hard Knocks, but I did. And I think prior to watching Hard Knocks, I did not really understand how um, important... Buda Baker was to that locker room and just watching that and just seeing how he continued to compete despite suffering shoulder injuries despite uh, I think it was an ankle or leg injury down the stretch that kind of took him out but just the way that he continued to fight on and off the field I mean I got to give mad props to him J.J. Watt was another potential option that's the easy way to go because he was retiring but still from top to bottom it's Buda. Next up, the Atlanta Falcons, a team that was a little bit harder to pick for, but at the end, I'm going rookie running back Tyler Algier. Um, In 16 games this season, he had 210 rushing attempts, 1,035 rushing yards, averaged 4.9 yards per carry with three rushing touchdowns, also had 16 receptions for 139 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. I mean, coming into the year, I think everyone was kind of expecting Cordell Patterson to have that crazy unicorn-like year that he did um, in 2021, and that wasn't the case. I mean, Algier really stepped up, especially when Cordell Patterson was put on IR, and, I mean, ended up leading the team in rushing yards and was the second-highest rushing yards total for a rookie, only second to Kenneth Walker, who, as we know, was terrific in Seattle. I mean, like I said, he provided a huge boost to that offense. I mean, Marcus Mariota was not – necessarily terrible for the most of the games he started but you know Marcus Mariotti only gets so much and then Desmond Ritter when he finally came in in the final month of the season or so it was clear that they couldn't just keep the ball in his hands Tyler Adria got the ball and really helped lead the team it was a really fun guy to watch on a team that didn't have much to be excited about next up my Baltimore Ravens as much as I wanted to say to say Roquan Smith I got to go cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who bounced back from a rough 2021 season. Uh, this year, he played in all 17 games and had 71 combined tackles, three sacks, a forced fumble, two foam recoveries, three interceptions, seven pass deflections, and one and a half tackles for loss. But more important than anything I just said is the fact that in 626 coverage snaps, he allowed zero touchdowns. That's hard to do from any defensive position, but as a cornerback, and not only that, but the number one corner and not allow any touchdowns, that absolutely deserves to be remarked and uh, shrouded. I mean, this was a great year for the Ravens defense overall, and Marlon Humphrey played a huge role in that. I mean, also he had a career high in sacks, as well as tied for the most interceptions in his career, and I'm just so excited to see how Baltimore can continue to build up this defense a bit more, get some more pass rush, because once they're able to do that with the secondary that they have, man, the squad's going to be crazy, and we already crazy now. Just imagine how crazy, much crazier we're going to be. Man, I love Baltimore, minus you know, how the season ended. Next up, the Buffalo Bills. I'm going quarterback Josh Allen, who in 16 games had 359 completions for 567 passing attempts, six, completed 63.3% of his passes for 4,283 yards, 35 passing touchdowns and 14 interceptions. He had 124 rushing attempts for 762 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns, eight fumbles with two lost fumbles, and also had three tackles of his own. While this was supposed to be the year that Josh Allen really took over as the best quarterback in the league and was supposed to kind of run away with the MVP award, he didn't do that. But, I mean, push comes to shove. I mean, they're – are few quarterbacks this year who overall had a better year than Josh Allen of course I talk about the turnovers and rightfully so he led he had I think over 30 turnovers between interceptions and fumbles that's a lot. You might want to – you definitely want to clear that up, or at least over the last couple of years. But, like I said, I mean, he still rushed for over 750 yards, which is a huge game-changer, especially at his position. Um, Though he got a little bit more health this year from the run game, especially with the addition of James Cook. I mean, even still, Josh Allen is an absolute low to bring down for defenders and continues to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest reason, why the Buffalo Bills continue to have the success that they have. Because Josh Allen – no matter what, is a good quarterback. And I think that because of that, the Bills are always going to be competitive as long as he's in tow. So he's got to win, uh, re- I mean, regular season MVP. All right, going down to the NFC South, we have the Carolina Panthers. Who this award will go to, Brian Burns. Uh, This past season had the best year of his career 16 games with 63 combined tackles, 12 and a half tackles for loft, 12 and a half sacks, a forced fumble, and three pass deflections. I remember back near the trade deadline when the Carolina Panthers reportedly were asking for at least two first-round picks for Brian Burns, and I believe myself and Ethan are both like, that's crazy. I wouldn't do it. But this year showed why the Panthers wanted a Lions, I mean, a Kings ransom to get rid of this guy. I mean, he had a terrific year. Like I said, best year of his career. Had 12 and a half sacked, and she showed so much potential, not just as a terror on the field, but also on a leader. I mean, that was just a different spark with this Panthers defense this year. And while injuries down the stretch did hurt, like with J.C. Horn, um, but still... There's so much potential in Carolina now, and there's some excitement that really hasn't been there to make you think maybe they're a piece or two away of actually winning the NFC South, especially if Tom Brady does end up leaving the Bucs. So shout-out to Brian Burns. Moving back up north, we have the Chicago Bears, who, who else could it be but Justin Fields. Uh, this season, he played in 15 games where he completed 192 of his 318 passing attempts, with the completion percentage of 60.4, had 2,242 passing yards, 17 passing touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 160 rushing attempts for 1,143 rushing yards and averaged a ridiculous 7.1 yards per carry, rushed for eight rushing touchdowns, and had nine fumbles. I mean... Had he played Week 17 against the Vikings, I do not dispute that he would have broken the record for rushing yards for a quarterback in a season, but he ended up like 63 or 64 yards shy, which is unfortunate, but who's to say he can't get it back? I mean, the wins may not reflect it, but Justin Fields showed that he was explosive and I believe is the Bears quarterback of the future once they finally get him an offensive line and kind of help build up that defense so he doesn't have to keep putting his body on the line to make plays. But on the whole, I mean, Justin Justin Fields. I mean, prior to the kind of late season surgence of Trevor Lawrence, we were looking at him as the best sophomore quarterback, or at least there was a lot of discussions about it. And I think that there's a real potential he could be the best quarterback of the class if the Bears actually start getting him some health this offseason. All right, next up we have the Cincinnati Bengals who continuing on the quarterback trend. We got to go Joe Burrow. Um in 16 games, he had 414 completions for 606. On 606 passing attempts, I'm sorry, completed 68.3% of his passes for 4,475 passing yards, 35 passing touchdowns, 12 picks, and on 75 rushing attempts had 257 rushing yards and 5 rushing touchdowns. I mean, coming off of a Super Bowl year, everybody's wondering, well, how are the Bengals going to respond? How is Joe Burrow going to look? Look, was this a fluke? And he showed it absolutely was not one. Had a career high in passing touchdowns, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns, and was able to have a great year despite Jamar Chase missing some games here and there due to injury. Tyler Boyd was out sporadically. Same with T. Higgins. And either way, he just hooked up with Hayden Hurst and Trent Irwin and still produced a terrific year. I mean, you already know my feelings on Joe Burrow. Always going to love him, LSU days. But in a realistic sense, it just seems like he's continuing to really understand the nuances of the NFL and get better and better with each week. And I'm so excited to see what he's going to do in the playoffs, especially because, I my my squad's not in it, so why as well root for my LSU Tigers? Staying in state, we're going to the Cleveland Browns, who I have named uh, running back Nick Chubb as the regular season MVP this year. He in 17 games he had 302 rushing attempts for 1,525 yards, averaged 5.1 yards per carry, 12 rushing touchdowns, um, with one fumbling one loss. Caught 27 passes for 239 yards with the receiving touchdown. Before the start of the season, I said that I thought that. Uh, Nick Chubb was going to lead the league in rushing, which he didn't. He ended up being third. But, I mean, still, it was a terrific year because everybody and their mama knew that Nick Chubb was going to get the ball. Deshaun Watson is going is going to be suspended for two-thirds of the season. While there's – Jacoby Brissett is a fine quarterback. Nobody's expecting him to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game. And, thus, you put the ball – in the hands of your best playmaker, which is Nick Chubb. He made the most of it. I mean, he had the most rushing yards in that he's ever had in a season, as well as tied for the most touchdowns. And like I said, even when Deshaun did come and he was a bit rusty, you could always count on Nick Chubb. I don't know if he's going to be able to have that same production per year, especially as with Deshaun Watson gaining more chemistry. And, I mean, hey, you gave him 230 mil fully guaranteed. You're expecting him to be the guy. But if this is the last... I mean, how do I want to say this? If this is the last year where Nick Chubb is heavily getting the ball, he definitely made the most of it. All right, taking things down to Dallas, my uh, regular season MVP has to go with linebacker Micah Parsons. Tony Pollard, I love you. But I got to go, Micah. In 17 games, he had 65 combined tackles with four tackles for loss, 13 and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, three pass deflections, and a fumble return for a touchdown. Even though his start to the season was much better than how he closed it, It was clear to see that Michael Parsons is still one of the best defensive players in our league today. Had the most sacks of his young career as well as fun recovery. Scored his first touchdown of his career, which I would not be shocked if he's able to score more as the years go on. And I mean, I just think that when you see Michael Parsons, he's just... The prototype, he's what you want in a defense guy. I mean, he's such a hybrid. He can play linebacker terrifically on the off ball, or he can be a terror as a pass rusher, which we have seen quite a bit. And this year, he really just showed more of that pass rushing ability. I'm excited to see if I'm the Cowboys, how do you build on that? Do you move him to pass rusher exclusively? Do you keep him kind of switching? Because I think if you leave him as an edge rusher, I wouldn't be shocked if he has a 20-plus sack year. And I can see it happening as soon as next year, depending on the personnel changes. Uh, Moving on to the Denver Broncos. This one, I'm sure, is going to be controversial, and that's okay. But my regular season MVP is going to be safety Justin Simmons, who, despite playing just 12 games, had 69 tackles, 2.5 tackles for loss, 3 forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, 6 picks, and 7 pass deflections. I know this is going to be controversial because shout-out to... Pat Sertan, he was a second-team All-Pro selection. Another guy considered one of the best at his position, but still, Justin Simmons just continues to be what the Broncos defense has needed for a long time. Like I said, he missed five games, but even still, the fact that he was able to still get six picks, which ties for the league lead, is very impressive. And he just continues to display that leadership that they have desperately been needing. And, I mean, he also have had a career high in forced fumbles with three, which also ranks among some of the highest in the league this year. Like I said, Pat Sartin absolutely has a spot. He absolutely deserves the title as well. Well, but I just think that Justin Simmons meant more to the team down the stretch, especially because when they needed that leadership, when they needed somebody to kind of bring the locker room together, he more than did that. Next up, we're heading to Motown and the Detroit Lions, too. I'm going to shout out quarterback Jared Goff. In 17 games this season, he completed 382 of his passes on 587 passing attempts while completing 65.1% of his passes. He threw for 4,438 yards, 29 touchdowns, and threw seven picks with 29 rushing attempts, 73 uh, rushing yards, three fumbles, one loss, and even caught a pass for five yards. I think it's safe to say that this is the best and most complete season that Jared Goff has had. And I understand that he has been to the playoffs in his time with the Rams. He did go to a Super Bowl with the Rams, but I don't think I've ever seen him take more control of an offense than he he did this year and I think he really proved that he deserves a chance to be the Lions quarterback for the foreseeable future and I know there's some mock drafts that say they should draft one with one of their first round picks and I mean I get it but honestly I think you continue to build around this team build up that defense and hell they could make a run for the playoffs next year especially considering even after trading uh, TJ Hawkinson they remained a top four ranked offense in the league per yards per game and were six in points per game and mind you they're another offense that isn't chalk-filled with household names. They're just a great group, and they continue to show that. And I think Jared Goff, being there another group, another year with this group, I think he could do some even bigger and better things. And who knows? Like I said, Detroit could possibly find themselves playing in the postseason. All right, next up, sitting in the division, the Green Bay Packers, who I have to give the nod to Jair Alexander, cornerback. After signing a four-year, $84 million contract extension before the start of the season, everybody wonders once a player gets paid, can they live up to the contract? And it's safe to say the man earned every penny. In 16 games this year, he had 56 combined tackles, three tackles for loss, five interceptions, which ties for second in the league, and 14 pass deflections. I mean, he... Easily surpassed his previous interception numbers, I believe, before this season. His high was two in a year. And, I mean, he just really stepped up. I mean, he talked a lot of stuff. He backed it up. I mean, everyone thinks of that Vikings game the second time around when he gets a pass break up on Jay Jettis, does the gritty. It's all cool for everybody besides, of course, Vikings fans and Jay Jettis fans like myself. But – I mean, still absolutely earned a lot of respect, proved himself to continue to be a top quarterback in this league. And like I said, while this wasn't the year that the Packers, of course, won, especially offensively, the defense really took shape over the course of the year, and Jair Alexander played a huge role in that. All right, keeping things on the defensive side of the ball, shout-out to Houston Texans rookie safety Jalen Petrie. In 17 games this year, he had 147 combined tackles, nine tackles for loss, one sack, five interceptions, and eight pass deflections. The Titans made, I mean, the Texans made a lot of moves this offseason, whether it be through free agency or the draft, but I think it's pretty... much safe to say that Jalen Petrie was the best addition that they did. He ranked top 10 in the league in solo tackles with 99 and interceptions with 5. And he led the team in tackles by 22 and interceptions by 3. And I know the Texans' defense isn't loaded with superstars, but they they definitely showed in some games, especially against tougher opponents when you look at the Chiefs and you look at the... um. The Bills. They played those teams really, really tough, and Jalen Petrie seemed to always show up in those big moments. So I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do throughout the course of his career, especially because, kind of like I just said, for a few other players, once they actually get some more help around them, I think Jalen Petrie has the opportunity to be a top-10 safety in this league pretty soon. Uh, next up, staying in the division, we have the Indianapolis Colts showing some more love to another member of the secondary and that's cornerback Stefan Gilmore in his first year in Indianapolis played terrific. 16 games 66 combined tackles half a tackle for loss 2 picks and 11 pass deflections he was a definite bright spot for a team that truly was disappointing I mean there was talks of this team making the playoffs I picked them to win the division I thought that this was going to be the year that the Colts kind of got it together or at least because of their defense and a big large part to getting Stephon Gilmore that wasn't exactly the case but Stephon Gilmore still looked good in the first year of his two-year deal he had uh the most tackles of his career in the second most I mean in the most Past deflections he's had since 2019 also he stepped up to the challenge of defending top wide receivers despite being on the wrong side of 30 it really just seems like no matter what stefan gilmore is like a fine wine he keeps getting better with age and the colts and like i said i know that they didn't really pay off team wide this year but i know they were grateful to have him because if their year could have been a lot worse without him in tow And uh, we spoke on being able to age like Juan. This is complete opposite because with the Jacksonville Jaguars, MVP is going to go to Trevor Lawrence. In 17 games, the sophomore quarterback threw 300. I mean, completed 387 passes on 584 passing attempts, completed 66.3% of his passes for 4,113 passing yards, 25 passing touchdowns to go with eight interceptions, and on 62 rushing attempts, had 291 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, five pumbles, and lost four. I mean, after his rookie year, I'll admit, I was one of the people kind of questioning when the Golden Boy was going to show up. Because for those of you who followed the draft or were kind of following along his career at Clemson, it was like he could do no wrong. I mean, he could do everything. He was mobile. He had a great arm. He was a great decision maker, blah, blah, blah. But Jacksonville, first year under Urban Meyer, and then I don't even remember who took over as their uh, interim head coach afterwards. I think it was Daryl Bevel. It just did not work. We didn't see the college Trevor Lawrence. And this year, while, of course, he was not as putting up the crazy numbers that he did in college, it's still safe to say that Trevor Lawrence gave the Jacksonville and a lot of other people a lot of reasons for optimism. I mean, he was terrific. Um, Brought the Jags back to to the playoffs for the first time since 2017 after helping them win their last five regular season games and showed that the Golden Boy really is worth all the glitz and the glam. And of course, moving on to his opponent this weekend, the Kansas City Chiefs MVP is going to go to who I believe is going to be the league's MVP, quarterback Patrick Mahomes. In 17 games he threw 4 4 he completed 435 passes out of 648 passing attempts good for 67.1% of completions threw for 5250 passing yards a career high with 41 touchdowns and 12 picks on 61 rushing attempts he had 358 yards um, four rushing touchdowns five fumbles but lost none and even had a reception for 6 yards So many people question and It's like the chicken or the egg. Who comes first? And when I say that, I mean Tyreek's gone. Was Patrick Mahomes the one who made Tyreek Hill successful? Or was it Tyreek Hill who made Patrick Mahomes successful? Turns out both are great at what they do. However, Patrick Mahomes plays quarterback. And so he's going to get more props. And rightfully so. I mean, as I mentioned, had a career high in passing yards this year. Led the league. And passing yards... Passing touchdowns and QBR with 77.7, or at least according to ESPN. I mean, if you're Patrick Mahomes, this is the precisely the year that you need to shut everybody up, shut the doubters up to let them know, hey, I'm him, I'm going to be him, and I'm not going anywhere. Because as you can see, they once again win the AFC West, do so decisively, and have a legitimate shot to make it back to the Super Bowl. And why? Because they still have the best quarterback in the league, Patrick Mahomes. All right, staying in the division, we have the Las Vegas Raiders, who I know everybody made made so much of a hoopla about Devontae Adams getting traded there, rightfully so, because he had a great year. But if we're being honest, Josh Jacobs was the best player on the team. In 17 games, he had 340 rushing attempts for 1,653 yards, averaging 4.9 yards per carry with 12 rushing touchdowns, um, two fumbles, with 53 receptions, 400 receiving yards with one fumble and one loss, and also had three tackles. Like I mentioned, Devontae Adams was the biggest name on a already loaded Raiders offense. However, Josh Jacobs was the best, which isn't that surprising when you think of a Josh McDaniels-led team because he came from New England, and while they usually have a stable of backs, he actually has a clear-cut number one back, and he used the hell out of him. He had the best year of his career in nearly every statistical category. And, of course, he chose the time to do it um, during a contract year. I don't know if he's going to be back in Las Vegas, but if he gets assurances that he's going to get to tote the rock as much as he did this year, next year, i see a hard time of him actually leaving the city. All right, next up we have the Los Angeles Chargers. Sticking with the running back theme, I'm going – Austin Eckler in 17 games this year on he had 204 rushing attempts for 915 rushing yards averaging 4.5 yards per carry 13 rushing touchdowns which ties the most in the league uh, three fumbles and two lost 107 receptions 722 receiving yards five receiving touchdowns two fumbles and one loss one thing that was clear about the Chargers is even when they were going through these injuries and even when people were unable to play there was no doubt that Austin Eckler was going to step up, as he has done, because he is a legitimate touchdown machine. I'm sure he's helped quite a few people win their fantasy leagues, myself included. With that being said, I mean, he scored 18 touchdowns from scrimmage, which is one of the most Uh, From any player in the entire league Also had the most receptions of his career And led the team in the category as well Because like I mentioned Keenan Allen was out for some time Mike Williams as well And while we saw some other emergencies And guys like DeAndre Carter And Josh Palmer Gerald Everett It was clearly the Austin Echo Show And while the Chargers were able to stay afloat And of course make the playoffs Without their two top receivers in Most of the time Just imagine how much worse their season would have been Had he not been there All right, Stan in L.A. We're going back to defense, more specifically linebacker Bobby Wagner, who in his first year with the Rams, went, went kind of crazy. Uh, in 17 games, had 140 combined tackles with 16 and a half tackles for loss, 6 sacks, two interceptions and five pass deflections. Despite it being a rough year for the Rams, it's safe to say Bobby Wagner was not the problem. He earned himself a second team all-pro selection, and even had a career high in tackles for loss and sacks. On a year, and mind you, this he did so with other good pass rushes. Of course, you have Aaron Donald, who's a future Hall of Famer, you have Leonard Floyd, who's been really good since being there. However, Bobby Wagner got his and got his pretty consistently. It also was the first season since 2017 where he had multiple interceptions. Bobby Wagner, Ageless Wonder. I mean, he continues to show time and time again that you can never count him out from being one of the best off-ball linebackers in the league, and the Rams absolutely got a good one. I don't know how much longer they'll be able to sustain this defense with the big names that they have on it, but honestly, as long as they have Bobby Wagner, they're going to be okay. Next up, I mentioned his name a little bit ago, but for the Miami Dolphins, regular season MVP is going to go to Tyreek Hill. Uh, In 17 games, he had 119 receptions, 1,710 receiving yards, seven receiving touchdowns, a fumble, seven rushing attempts for 32 yards, and a rushing touchdown. My personal feelings about Tyreek Hill, I've made them known. But this is just strictly looking at him as a football player and his contributions to the Dolphins. And it's safe to say he contributed quite a bit and did so despite having to work with three different quarterbacks. He was second in the league in receptions and receiving yards and had the most catches and receiving yards of his career. So who knows? Maybe he was quote unquote underutilized in Kansas City. But why I talk about second best, we could talk about the best, which was Justin Jefferson, who obviously is a Minnesota Vikings regular season MVP. In 17 games, he led the league with 128 receptions and 1,809 receiving yards. He also had eight receiving touchdowns, four rushing attempts for 24 yards and a rushing touchdown, and two passing attempts for 34 yards. And, yes, he completed both of his attempts. Um, Like I said, as great as Tyreek Hill was, Jay Jett is clearly was the best wide receiver in the league. I mean, like I said, let the league in catches and receiving yards and also accounted for a career-high 81st downs. That is insane, especially when you think that when you're your team's best player, everyone is expecting the ball to come to you. Defenses are game-planning to stop you, particularly on third down. And, of course, in the case of the Bills game, fourth down, and what did he do? Still got 81st downs. That's insane. I mean, he broke several records along the way including the most receiving yards in a season by a Viking, surpassing Randy Moss. And before some people may say, oh, he only did that because it's an extra game in the season. Nah, bro. He did that week 15 against the Giants. He didn't even need a full season to do it. Jay Jettis is the man. He may have got, didn't get 2,000 yards like I thought he would, but still. 1,800, that's a whole lot of yards for anybody. All right, next up, we're going to New England where regular season MVP for back to back years is gonna go to outside linebacker Matt Judon. Uh, this season in 17 games, he has 60 combined tackles with 15 and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, and three pass deflections. I mean. Throughout the whole season, he was just right up there among the best pass rushers in the league in terms of sack numbers. And even still, I mean, while I'll get to in a bit who I think is going to end up winning it, he absolutely has a case. Like I said, finished top five in uh, the sacks. And this was the best year for him in that category. Last year, I believe he had 12 and a half was his previous best. And this year, he kind of blew that number out of the water. While he may say that he's not the best, quote-unquote, pass rush on the team, he gave that title to Josh Uche. The numbers absolutely say different. <laughs> All right, now we're going to head to the Big Easy. We're going to show some love to another linebacker, DeMario Davis, who in 17 games had 109 combined tackles, 10 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, a fumble recovery, an interception, and six pass deflections. If you look up do-it-all linebacker, I can assure you DeMario Davis's face is going to pop up. This was a rough year overall for the Saints in terms of injuries. I mean, from offense to defense, they struggled with them a lot. However, DeMario Davis was consistently there played in every single snap this year which is a rarity for any player of any position but all 100 snaps that goes that deserves some process especially for a player who's 30 and up i mean he did a terrific job per usual led the team in tackles and still remains incredibly strong in coverage like i said as reflected by those six pass deflections All right, moving on to the New York Giants, a playoff team, which not many people expected them to do, including myself. But, however, Saquon Barkley played a huge role in them getting there. That's why he is their regular season MVP. In 16 games, he had 295 rushing attempts for 1,312 rushing yards, 4.4 yards per carry, 10 rushing touchdowns, a fumble, 57 receptions, and 338 receiving yards. Even though... For the first time in his career, Danny Dons has kind of lived up to that nickname. And as you guys heard at the top of the show, I mean, he played a terrific game against the Minnesota Vikings. The New York Giants do not get to this point without Saquon Barkley. I know injuries have kind of ravaged him over the years. He came out like a a rocket his rookie year, rushed for over 1,300 yards. But then injuries kind of slowed him down and kind of made people forget just how bad of a dude he was. And I'm so happy to see that this is the year that he's showing just the kind of guy he can be. He was fourth in the league in rushing and ninth in rushing touchdowns. Like I said, this was really the best year of his career. And without him, I don't see the Giants making the playoffs. Keeping things in the Big Apple. We're going to show some love to a rookie cornerback, Ahmad, a.k.a. Sauce Gardner. In 17 games this year, he has 75 combined tackles, two tackles for loss, two picks, and 20 pass deflections. Say what you will about rookies. Say what you will about Sauce and if he really was as good as people made him out to be. But, hey, that young man did his thing. Viewed by many media outlets as one of, if not the best cornerback in the league, he was an absolute nightmare on the outside, which in some games made quarterbacks not want to try him out, which is a major sign of respect, for especially as a rookie. And I mean, he led the league in pass deflections while which is still a really impressive number, getting 20 as opposed to getting those two picks. I mean, just being able to see the way that he's able to mature his game and just be able to step up was huge. I mean, coming into the league, everyone talked about how he never gave up a touchdown in college, and though he went to uh, Cincinnati, which was a group of five school, people were wondering if he could really hang with the big boys if he was ready for the NFL. And I think it's safe to say that he answered that call with flying cover colors. Next up for the Philadelphia Eagles, we're going quarterback Jalen Hurts. In 15 games this year, he completed 300 – and six of his 460 pass attempts, good for 66 and a half uh, completion percentage. Of complete, had 3,701 passing yards, 22 passing touchdowns, six interceptions, with 165 rushing attempts and 760 rushing yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, five fumbles, and two tackles. Had it not been an injury that kind of kept him out late in the season, he would absolutely be. Have a strong case for MVP Like I said I think Patrick Mahomes is going to get it But Jalen Hurts was the man I mean it's so nice to see a team Actually build around their quarterback and give him Weapons a la them getting A.J. Brown you factored that into an already Really good run game with Miles Saunders And then you already have some young talent There in that in, um, Devontae Smith and um, other Quez Watkins There we go another receiver who's been able to Make some way in that great defense and man Jalen Hurts just got the keys to the franchise, and he absolutely did what he needed to do. I mean, he was second in the league in rushing yards for a quarterback and tied for second for the most rushing touchdowns. And like I said, even though his touchdown numbers may not wow you, he absolutely did a terrific job of finding his wide receivers and never just got too stuck on one guy. He spread the ball around, which helped the team to have a lot of success, especially offensively. All right, next up. Pittsburgh's defensive end, Cam Hayward. Yes, I hate Cam Hayward. Yes, I hate the Steelers, but that is a hell of a player. This year, he played in all 17 games with 74 combined tackles, 10.5 sacks, 11.5 tackles for loss, one forced fumble, one foam recovery, and four pass deflections. I think when you see a player like Cam Hayward, who's been playing at such a high level for such a long time, we have a tendency to... Take him for granted. And with him getting a bit older. And there maybe have been kind of some discussions of him potentially retiring. I don't think that we should do that. I mean he's not, he may not have had the most sacks on the team. But it's clear that he kept to kind of steady the ship. And keep the defensive line together. When T.J. Watt was out. And I think that. If this is it, like I said, he went out with an absolute bang. But just the way he was able to carry himself, continue to lead this defense that was going through some changes and kind of helped them to get better as the year went on, he deserves his props for that. Uh, Sticking defensively, we're going to San Francisco where I have to give this word to who I think is going to end up being named Defense Player of the Year, and that's Nick bosa who in 16 games this year had 51 combined tackles five tackles for loss 18 and a half sacks two forced fumbles and one pass deflection another case where i have to take my personal feelings out and put them to the side if we're strictly talking football i mean nick bosa was the man i mean he led the league in sacks and like i said i think he's going to be defensive player of the year and mind you In the 16 games he played, only three of those games he did not have a sack. I just want you to think about how ridiculous that is. And even still, 13 games, 18 and a half sacks. Yeah. He was a bad dude. And, I mean, it's another case of you do what you can to try to block him, but you just cannot do it. He's just too good. And with that defensive front that boasts him, the Eric Armsteads of the world, and then, of course, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw at linebacker, I mean, it's – It's hard to get past anything past those guys, but especially Nick Bosa, who if quarterbacks spend just a second too long um, trying to make a decision, he will make them pay. Keeping things in the division, we got to go quarterback uh, Geno Smith for the Seahawks regular season MVP. In 17 games, he had 399 completions on 572 passing attempts, completed 69.8% of his passes for 4,282 passing yards, 30 passing touchdowns with 11 picks at 68 rushing attempts for 366 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown, three fumbles and two loss. Like he said, after week one, they rolled me off, but he didn't write back. And though he kind of fell off as the season went on, kind of shows some of that quote unquote old Gino. I mean, no one can deny that Geno Smith was a huge surprise in the best possible way for Seattle and the rest of the league because I mean let's be honest a lot of people thought that Seattle would have the first overall pick or they'd be picking in the top five which they are but not because of Geno's because of the Broncos but you know I'm still not gonna call that the worst trade I still of course got faith in my boy Russ but Geno Smith did a great job in um as his uh, predecessor. Um, he broke the Seahawks record for passing yards and completion percentage in the season, helped the team get back to the playoffs, like I said, in a year no one really expected to, and obviously had the best year of his career. I don't know how much money that's going to net him in, uh, in the off season, but if I'm Seattle, if I'm Geno, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why break up if we don't have to? And I'm excited to see what else he'll be able to do and see if he can build off this year because, like I said, I mean, he had a terrific one. Keeping things with quarterbacks, Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going Tom Brady, who in 17 games had 490 completions on 733 passing attempts, good enough for 66.8 uh, uh, completion percentage. Had 4,694 passing yards, 25 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions, uh, 29 rushing attempts for an astonishing negative one rushing yard with one rushing touchdown, uh, two fumbles, and two lost. No one knows if this is it for Tom. No one knows. Well, no one really knew last year if he was going to retire. But if this is it, which I don't think it is, but if it is, it's a great way to go out, especially considering he had a really good year for a 45-year-old. I mean, he was, what, third in the league in passing yards, which – minus the passing attempts because they are a lot, but that's still a lot of yards to throw, especially for an offense that was struggling for much of the way. And he still was top 10 in passing touchdowns. So no matter what happens next, especially if he does decide to play, he's absolutely going to have a market outside of Tampa because not only because he is quote-unquote Tom Brady has the name, but when you get a Tom, you know what you're going to get. And what you're going to get is really good quarterback play despite other problems around him. All right, next up, we're going to a team that has kind of had talks of getting a Tom Brady, but I don't know if it's going to happen, and that's Tennessee, and that's I don't think it's going to happen because it is and probably will always be the Derrick Henry show in 17 games this year. Derrick, I mean, 16 games this year. Derrick Henry had 349 rushing attempts for 1,538 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, four fumbles, two loss, 33 receptions for 398 receiving yards, two fumbles, one loss, and two passing completions, including a passing touchdown. Just when it seemed like it was time to count out Derrick Henry, especially after last year. Like, he missed the second half of the season, came back for the playoffs. But everybody was kind of wondering what Derrick Henry going to get. Like, is it his time? Is it not his time anymore? I mean, you get Traylon Burks and Robert Wood. So the Titans going to try to throw the ball a little bit more. Is Jonathan Taylor the best running back in the league? What about, you know, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley? Like, Derrick Henry kind of got lost in the shuffle. Until he started playing again I'm like, oh yeah, never mind He's Derrick Henry Nine games with 100 or plus more Including a 200 plus yard performance Against the Houston Texans AKA his sons um, And finished first in the league In rushing attempts Second in rushing yards And second in rushing touchdowns And on another note Had the most rushing I mean receiving yards in his career When you think of Derrick Henry You don't necessarily think of him out As a threat out of the backfield But this year That's precisely what he was And finally For the Washington Commanders, he's been their regular season last year. I think he might have been their regular season MVP the year before, but we got to go Terry McLaurin. I mean, last year, I mean, this past season, in 17 games, he had 77 receptions for 1,191 receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns, and seven rushing attempts for 29 yards. Yet again, another revolving door at quarterback for Terry McLaurin, and yet... Not only did he get the job done, but he had the best statistical year of his career. He finished top 10 in yards and with the most receiving yards of his career. And I believe, what, five touchdowns or just two off from his career high, which I think he had as a rookie. I mean, Terry McLaurin is one of those guys who has proven time and time again that he is, in fact, quarterback-proof. But Washington, seriously. Get this man a quarterback. But yeah, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please go sure check out the export.net, our p for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The Extraport. Uh Ethan is not here. Ethan is still at home being a terrific and awesome dad. So continue the big ups and shout outs to him. Um, but for him, of course, he would say go Grizz. I don't know about the whole Titans thing because he still, I'm telling you, probably by the time he come back or by next football season, he's he going to be a Steelers fan. But I, I'll still say some big ups for the Titans just for him just in case. Of course, for me, Baltimore seeds is over, but I'm sure I'll go into a whole soliloquy on another episode about my feelings on Lamar. But, hey, we got Roquan, we have a lot of potential. Let's just keep building on that. I'm very excited for what the future holds in Baltimore this season. It was a roller coaster, but I'm, I'm proud of how we looked as we came off, if that makes sense. Um, but, of course, Lakers, you know, know what it is. Go Lake Show Grizzlies. I'm so excited to see y'all play in a couple of months. And, uh, yeah, soon it's going to be draft mode, so be on the lookout for plenty of draft content. Um, yeah, again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time. And we're going to have a special guest, so be on the lookout for that. Y'all take care.